Welcome to the Spiritual Teamwork Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Crenshaw. Welcome back. Well, it's been about six weeks since I did this. I now have a tiny house in my backyard, no fence, and my living room is still tore up. But I've learned something. I can't do construction and a podcast at the same time. So hopefully... I'm going to be able to do the podcast from now on. So let's get into it. This week we're going to talk about letting God use us to make disciples. This episode was not actually going to be a standalone episode. But when I started making the last two episodes, I realized that letting God use us make disciples could be an episode by itself. So let's get into it. Jesus says that part of our being disciples is to make more disciples. This is called the Great Commission. And it's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. It's usually paired with the great commandment that we talked about in the episodes on the law of love. It starts out like this. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. One of the biggest misconceptions of this verse is that only people who are missionaries can do this. You don't have to be a missionary to make disciples. When Christ says go to all nations, he doesn't mean the only way to make disciples is to go to all nations. You know, 90% of all Christians in the early church and ever since then I assume, never went anywhere but their hometown, and the church still multiplied. Yes, some people will go and start churches in other lands, but most will be witnesses in their own city, town, or state, or on their own block. If we all went somewhere else, no one would be here, so please don't think you have to be a missionary to make disciples. You know, sometimes it's just easier to go and make disciples than it is to be a disciple. What we teach most of the time is our personal opinion or the tenets of our theology. While neither one of these is bad, neither of them has the power to change like a relationship with Christ does. Whether we grow abroad or stay at home, when we begin to make disciples, we shouldn't rely on our own knowledge and abilities. As with all parts of our lives, we rely on the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that when we go out to make disciples, he is with us always and forever. If we try to do it in our own power, we end up like the Pharisees and make children of hell. That's Matthew 23, 15, if you're wondering. We teach them to follow us or a certain dogma and not Christ. When you're being a disciple, you want to make disciples. You know, I talked about this in the last two episodes, so I'll touch on it again shortly here. If we're not being disciples, we can't expect Christ to use us to make more disciples. We can't give away something we don't have. You know, start with the basics, reading the Bible, praying every day. We have to start where we are. We can't start with two hours of Bible reading and prayer because that lasts about two days. Start with what you've got and go from there. You may want to start learning about other spiritual disciplines, and there are several great books you can find on spiritual disciplines. My three favorites are The Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney, and the best 
And the first, in my opinion, is Richard Foster's celebration of discipline. When God is working in our lives through the Holy Spirit, we will have a desire to walk the road of spiritual formation with other people. You know, I used to get frustrated at pastors who, who expected everyone to be out saving the lost. They would say you must witness for Christ or you should share the gospel with everyone you meet. It doesn't work that way. We can't give away something we don't have. And if you force it, it's not going to be worth anything to begin with. It's wood, hay, and stubble. I heard a pastor tell a story about leaving a church service on New Year's Eve to go witness. He had set a goal to witness to 301 people that year. He had only witnessed to 300 people that year. And he had to reach his goal so he could be an example to his church. You know, we don't have to force the process. As we begin to grow in God, people will see the change in us. They will be attracted to Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. We won't have to force anything. Of course, we won't see it in ourselves, but it will be there. Being a disciple isn't for everyone. When people are attracted to us because of the Holy Spirit in us, they see something that we may not see. When God starts to work in their lives, several things will happen. Not everyone you start working with will remain a disciple, and that's okay. Neither Jesus nor Paul nor any other disciple who set out to make disciples made 100% of the population. In the parable of the sower found in Matthew 13, Luke 8, and Mark 4, Jesus explains that when people hear the word of God, they react in one of four ways. First, the seed falls on hard soil. These people may not understand it, and the devil takes it away from them. Next, the seed falls on rocky soil, and these people understand it and accept it, but fall away because they have no good ground to grow in. The third seed falls in soil that I like to think is around the edges. If you see a field, fields are surrounded sometimes by ditches and weeds. Those seeds that fall around the edges, they hear it, and the soil is good. But... They get caught up in the cares of the world and they stop growing. The weeds grow up around them and they stop growing. And finally, the seeds of the gospel hit good soil. These people are the ones who hear the gospel and receive it. They're planted in good ground. The weeds don't grow up around them and they produce fruit. I love the parable of the sower because it perfectly explains that not everyone will become a disciple of Christ. You know, right before he gives the Great Commission, the Bible says that some of his disciples doubted. These were people that showed up, and they still doubted, right before Christ said this. When we're disciples, we want to make disciples. When we're disciples, we want to share life with other people who want the same things we do. You know, a lot of the time, those disciples are people in our lives that we haven't even seen yet. You've got to let yourself be discipled. Most of us have never really been discipled. I know I wasn't. Learning to share our faith and help another person grow isn't a life that comes naturally. We need someone else in our lives who can guide us and show us how to speak the truth in love to another individual. You know, start praying for God to put someone in your life who can show you what discipleship looks like. It may be this podcast. It may be a book. It may be 
an MP3. It may be another podcast. But you need someone in your life to help you move forward in your walk. If you don't have anyone in your circle, start with your priest or pastor. You know, ask around your church, but don't rush the process. Go through it prayerfully. This also isn't a deal breaker. Being a disciple is our first priority. Chances are there is someone in your congregation who's either doing discipleship or wanting to get started with discipleship. It never hurts to ask. God has someone for each of us, and the answer may not be obvious at first. We are looking to build a relationship, and relationships built through God are the ones that are going to last. You know, if push comes to shove, ask another friend who has the same need and start there. If neither of you have, has ever been discipled, the good news is there are books you can use to get started. I mean, a quick search of discipleship books on Amazon will give several options. So where does discipleship happen? Small groups or home groups are not the type of discipleship that I'm referring to. When I talk about small group discipleship, I mean groups of no more than four people. Small groups or home groups are not where this discipleship takes place. In my opinion, a lengthy sermon is not where discipleship happens. In my opinion, this podcast, no matter how good it is, is not where discipleship happens. In my opinion, discipleship happens when two or three people who are committed to growing spiritually gather together and practice the spiritual disciplines of the church. They are committed to and accountable to each other and to God, who is the source of our growth. The book that got me started on my journey of discipling others was Greg Ogden's book, Transforming Discipleship. Transforming Discipleship changed the way I thought about discipleship at every level. Before I read it, the only way I knew to discipleship someone was either a sermon from the pulpit or small group settings, and we kept those to around 10 people. The excitement I got with the triad approach was unbelievable. I still get excited about that style of discipleship, and that was 11 years ago when I read this book. So what's a triad? A triad is just like it sounds. Three people, Greg says you may have four people, but to me, three is the absolute perfect number for this. Just my opinion. While one may be the leader at first, the idea is to get the others to assume the leadership roles and grow together. You don't theoretically have a more mature Christian starting the group. That person may have only been a Christian for a couple of years. The leader, so to speak, does not lord it over the others. It's a mutual growth process that is reproducible through many ages and iterations. So where do we start? It all starts with us and another person or two. Like I said earlier, people will see it in you and you will see the desire to grow in others. And I want to mention those two books again. The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster he challenges us to be something different, something deeper, and something more. And he gives us a look at spiritual disciplines. Find spiritual disciplines that work for you and do those spiritual disciplines. But commit to grow with someone else. 
If you've never done discipleship, Transforming Discipleship by Greg Ogden is a great place to start. There are other books on discipleship, but this one is my favorite. You know, as a whole, the church hasn't done discipleship in so long that we've forgotten what it really honestly is. Sitting down with a couple of other Christians who are trying to be disciples shouldn't instill fear in us. Like everything in life, it's a learning process. As we work together, we all become better disciples, and we learn more about our faith. As we learn more about our faith, we learn about ourselves, and that we need to rely on God to work through us. And as we grow even more in Christ, more and more people will be attracted to the process. Think about it over the long term. If you and two friends start this year, and each pledge to disciple two people the next year, in five years, that's 243 people discipled. Go back to what I said at the beginning. Not everyone is going to stick to this. Obviously, it didn't stick to that for the early church, or we would have no one on earth. Everyone on earth would be Christians right now, right? Think about how fast the early church grew, though. Nothing is impossible for God when we let him use us. My hope is this, that this little series, and I know it's disconjointed because it's been six weeks since I started it, I hope it's been encouraging to you. I hope you'll begin to look for others who are on the same journey as you are, and who want to grow in Christ and start a triad with them, or at least start with somebody else. Next week, I'm going to talk about my faith journey in light of Abba Moses the Ethiopian which is the name I took when I came into the Orthodox Church. I was catechized as Moses. After that, I want to talk about the Didache, which is an early 2nd century discipleship manual, also known as the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles. I'm currently rewriting a late 19th century copy into modern English, so I want to share it on the podcast while I'm doing it. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming back if it's been a while since you've listened. Thank you for being there. Thank you to all those people that encouraged me for doing this. I appreciate you, and I'm hopefully back for a while. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.